The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. All right. Well, good morning to our Story City family, wherever you are all over the world, our immediate family. You know what we're realizing in this season? We have cousins and second cousins and third cousins all over the country and the world, and we want to say welcome to you wherever you are this morning. How are you this morning? You doing good? I hope you're doing well, and I want to encourage you wherever you are. uh, Go ahead and take a Bible this morning. If you happen to have a physical copy of one, or if you have your cell phone nearby and you have a Bible app, go ahead and take it out. We're going to be in the book of Psalms this morning. We're actually going to be in Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm in the middle of the Bible. So go ahead and take out a physical Bible if you have it and turn to Psalm chapter 1. I've personally found a lot of comfort in this season in the book of Psalms, and I believe we're going to find some comfort as well. I want to ask you a question this morning. How are you really doing? How are you doing right now in the middle of this season that we're currently walking through? I have another question for you. Have you noticed people in this season right now who are doing exceedingly well. They're just thriving in this season. I don't know if you know people like that, and you just think, these people always thrive, regardless of whatever is going on in life. They just do well. And maybe you're wondering this morning, how is it that these people thrive in any sort of circumstance? Well, I believe Psalm chapter 1 has an answer for us this morning. We've been through the Psalms here over the last four or five weeks, and we're going to continue this morning in Psalm chapter 1. The Psalms were written by a lot of authors over a period of about a thousand years. It's said that the Psalms were the hymnal, the Hebrew hymnal, the hymnal for the Hebrew people. And so Psalm chapter 1 here this morning is referred to... as a wisdom psalm. And wisdom psalms are psalms that just give practical guidance, practical advice for how to live godly in any type of world and in any type of circumstance. And Psalm chapter 1 here, very specifically, is about two things this morning. It's about two things. The first thing it's about is about wisdom. The second thing it's about is blessing. Wisdom and blessing, and one is the precursor to the other. So what we're going to see in Psalm chapter 1 is that in order to experience the blessings of God, we need to pursue after the wisdom of God. And so what we're going to see in this passage is that the blessings of God are not connected to our circumstances. And now if you're wondering this morning, how do I define blessings? Maybe some of you are very acute theologically, and I'm going to use the word blessings this morning because it's in the passage. I'm also going to use the word prosperity, and I'm also going to use the word success. But I want you to hold on to those. Some of you are judging uh, the type of preacher I am and my theology. I just want you to hold on to it for a moment because about two-thirds away into the sermon this morning, I'm going to define that for you. But what we're going to see in this passage this morning is that the blessings of God are not connected to our circumstances. Many of us believe that blessings are, in fact, circumstantial. In other words, when things are going good, I'm blessed. When things are going bad, I'm not blessed. We're going to see in this passage this morning that blessings are, in fact, not tied to circumstances. They're connected instead to what Psalm 1 is going to tell us here is wisdom. 
Many of you right now, wherever you are, have moved past the phase of this season that we're in where you're saying, or you were saying, this season was hard, this season is difficult, I've lost my job, I've lost income, and many of you have moved on to the next phase of this season where you're just frustrated. It's, not, it's still difficult, but now it's complicated by your frustration, and you're asking, how long are we going to be in this season? How long do I have to endure this? When can I go back to work? When can I go out of my house without a mask? The reality is, whether you're facing difficulty right now or whether you're facing frustration, both of those are circumstances. And Psalm chapter 1 says, you can still experience blessing. You can experience the blessings of God in either one of those. Whether you're experiencing difficulty right now, whether you're experiencing frustration, whether the season you're walking through right now is actually a good season, either of those are circumstances, and you can still experience blessings. And so in the midst of either of these, you have a choice. You have a choice in either whatever season you're walking through, and you can choose to pursue the wisdom of God, which is how God would have you respond in this season, or you can then choose your own way, your own wisdom, and whatever that might be in this season. But I want you to understand this morning that wisdom is a choice. It's a choice in any season you're walking through. And so I want to ask you, which one will you choose? Blessings are tied to one of your choices. Blessings are tied to one of your choices this morning, and continual frustration, lack of fruit is tied to another. So Psalm 1 is going to tell us this morning, here it is, how we can experience the blessings of God in any season of life. Psalm chapter 1, let's start in verse 1 together. If you have a Bible, put it in front of you. I just want you to read it together with me. The translation I'm reading from this morning is the New International Version. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. If we jump all the way to verse 4, we're going to see that there's a contrast between verse 1 and verse 4. We see contrast quite often in this passage. And so verse 1 is about the blessed person, the person who is experiencing the blessings of God. But then verse 4 begins by saying, not so the wicked presents this choice for us. We have the choice to be blessed. We have the choice for something else. You have a choice to pursue his wisdom. You have a choice to pursue your own wisdom. That's a choice. You can pursue the wisdom of God or not. There's a clear distinction in this passage that we're going to see between somebody who believes and trusts in God and somebody who does not believe and somebody who does not trust in God. Now, I want you to look at the description one more time in verse 1, of the person that's described as being blessed. Watch it now in verse 1. Who does not walk in step with the wicked? Watch the progression. Or stand in the way that sinners take? And then watch how it finally ends. Or sits in the company of mockers. And so we see this metaphor here. There's a progression from walking to standing to sitting. In other words, it's this calculated decision, this calculated movement towards an action where we arrive at a place where I'm in a place of agreement. I'm in a place of commitment. I've settled myself. I've settled my beliefs. This is where I stand. This is where I sit. This is what I believe. This is what I'm committed to. Now, I want to give you a definition for a moment. I want you to write something down because I think it's going to be helpful for you, and I'm going to come back to it at the end of the message this morning. And here it is. Pursuing wisdom. Pursuing wisdom is a choice that involves continual action 
that moves towards an intended destination. Now, I'm going to unpack that for you here in just a moment, but let me repeat it for you, and I want you to write it down. Pursuing wisdom is a choice. You have a choice this morning that involves continual action that's moving towards an intended destination. I was thinking, how can I communicate this and illustrate this thought to you this morning? And I thought about my dating relationships before I met Laura. My dating relationships, very honestly, before I met Laura, they, were, they, they, were all, they weren't intended towards marriage. My dating relationships were never intended towards marriage until I arrived at this point where I began to believe that God had something good for me, and what was good for me was to use dating as a vehicle to pursue marriage. And so I told Laura that when we first started dating. I'm not interested in dating anymore. I'm actually looking for the person to marry. Now, quite honestly, that can scare some people away, men or women. It can scare people away. But that's where I was in life. In fact, I told Laura's dad that I I went down to Florida where her dad lived, and I I said to him, I'm not interested in dating your daughter for the sake of dating. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm interested in pursuing your daughter towards marriage. What we're doing here has a destination. It's a place where I'm going towards. It involves right now a commitment to that destination. You know, in dating, you make a choice. You make a choice to pursue someone towards marriage or you pursue them for any other reason, particularly to see what I can get out of the dating relationship. Do you know pursuing the wisdom of God is a lot like dating? Pursuing the wisdom of God is very similar. Many people treat pursuing the wisdom of God like they treat dating. In other words, you're either pursuing God with intended greater intimacy with him. I'm pursuing God so that I can know him more. I can be more intimate with him. Or I'm pursuing God in this quasi way, in such a way I'm just trying to figure out casually what I can get out of it. Now, here's the reality. Those two pursuits lead to drastically different destinations. Those two pursuits lead to drastically different destinations because one is this calculated pursuit that's guided by the wisdom of God. The second is a pursuit that's led by emotion and experience. Here's why this is important to us this morning. Because when life gets complex, like what we're experiencing Right now, wisdom will tell me to respond drastically different than my emotions and my experience. Let me be very practical this morning. When, when my kids are having a really difficult time being locked down 24-7 for a month straight, they're just having a really difficult time with this. If you have kids, you understand what I'm talking about this morning. Pursuing the wisdom of God will allow me to respond differently than it would with my emotions and my experience. For another example, if people at your job are being laid off at work, 
You're beginning to process, what does this mean for me? Is, am I going to be laid off? When you pursue the wisdom of God, listen, it will tell you to respond differently than your emotion and your experience will tell you. When fear shows itself in your life, in whatever season, whether it's this one or a previous one or one to come, the wisdom of God will tell you to respond drastically different than your emotions and your experience will lead you to react. Maybe you've heard people say, yeah, but I, I, I need to follow my heart. I need to let my feelings guide me. My feelings matter, don't they, Pastor Matt? Are you telling me this morning my feelings and my experience do not matter? How can you argue, Pastor Matt, against all of those things? Well, can I say to you this morning, I'm not arguing against your feelings. I'm not arguing against your emotions, and I'm not arguing against your experience. They do matter, but they only matter to the extent that God's wisdom informs them. It's vital this morning that we're pursuing the wisdom of God and what the psalmist is trying to encourage us to do here is to make a a calculated effort to chase after the wisdom of God so that it becomes a way of life that you're eventually committed to. When you look around in this season and you see people who have responded exceedingly well, they seem to be thriving. Do you know, do you know who the people are who have, are thriving currently in this season? It's not the people who have an incredible amount of life savings that they've been building for years. It's not the people who have secure jobs and don't have to worry about being laid off at work. It's not the people who have the freedom to travel and not be bound by whatever is pressing in on us, but the people who are thriving in this season are people who have been pursuing the wisdom of God for years. It's been their way of life. It's been what they've committed to. It's where they've settled themselves. They've been walking. They've been standing. They've been sitting in the wisdom of God. And God's wisdom has prepared them for this moment. Maybe it's you this morning, and you can say yes and amen. The wisdom of God has prepared me for this moment. I've not been surprised. Because I've been pursuing the wisdom of God, I respond differently than my emotions and my feelings and my experience would tell me to respond in this season. And that may be what some of you need this morning. That's where the blessings of God are. Pursuing the wisdom of God requires that you give it attention, that there's an intended destination that you're heading to. Listen, the blessings of God do not come when you simply say a prayer for God to save you and then move on. The blessings of God do not come to you with just a, just a once-a-week church activity online, in person, whatever it may be. But more than that, you can understand the wisdom of God. You cannot understand the wisdom of God unless you pursue it. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You cannot understand the wisdom of God unless you are pursuing it. Because there are some things in the Christian life that just will not make sense to you until you are consistently trying to understand them. Here's why. Our culture has conditioned us to be self-reliant. 
It's conditioned us to, to depend on ourselves, to be independent, to trust our feelings, to trust our emotions, to trust our experiences. And that philosophy of life is in direct conflict with the gospel. It's in direct conflict with the wisdom of God. God's wisdom, listen to me, may not make sense to you until you pursue it for a season in your life. There may be a lot of days in your life as a young believer, someone who has just come to faith in Christ, where you, you, your mind and your heart needs to be convinced that what you are pursuing is worthy. Uh, I, I, I can illustrate it like this. When I was a kid, my, my parents, I was adopted as a kid, and my parents frequently told me that, that, that God had given me to them, and, and part of their giving and receiving of what God had given them was that they were now entrusted with the authority to protect me, protect my mind, protect my heart, protect me physically, and, and, and so th they would say this over and over, God's given you to us, and, and it's our responsibility to protect you. And then they would further say, and obedience to us is one of the ways that God protects your heart, your mind, your emotions, your soul, and your body. Now, if you have kids this morning, you probably know by experience that obedience does not come naturally to kids. Can you say amen this morning if you have kids? I hear you all the way here in Granada Hills, California. But can I say to you, I'm now 42. I have three kids. I've matured in life, and it's taken a lot of years now for me to realize I now understand what my parents were talking about. I now understand that God has given me three kids to be a shepherd to them, just as God is a shepherd to me. Years later, through experience and trusting in what God has said, years later, I now understand what the scripture means when it says, children, obey your parents. But it did not come naturally. It doesn't come naturally to kids. It doesn't come naturally. It's the same with pursuing the wisdom of God. You need a constant, continual pursuit of the wisdom of God for it to make sense to you. Your soul needs to be massaged by the truth of God to convince you that where his blessings will happen are in the truth of God and the obedience of his wisdom. So how does Psalm 1 tell us this morning that we can experience the blessings of God? Someone tells us that the blessings of God are realized by the pursuit of God's wisdom. That's the first thing it's going to tell us. And then there's a second thing. The blessings of God are realized by the pursuit of God's wisdom. But then, but, but then there's something else it's going to tell us this morning. But I just want to say to us, that's a choice. And make no mistake about it. You have a choice this morning to pursue God's wisdom or you have a choice to pursue your own. There are blessings at the end of one. There's continual frustration and a lack of fruit at the other. But there's a second place where the psalmist is going to tell us God's blessings are found. Not only are they found in pursuing God's wisdom, but listen to this. His blessings are also found in your choice to pursue his words. That's what the scripture is going to say here in verse 2. We have the choice to pursue his word. We have the choice to trust our own inclination, our own words, our own advice, our own wisdom. Listen to what verse 2 says. But whose delight, again, verse 2 is talking about the blessed one. The blessed one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day 
and night. Scripture says here, the blessed one's delight is in the law of the Lord. For those who have been reading Psalm chapter 1, at this time, Psalm chapter 1, when he says the law, would have referred to the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But for us, it includes the entirety and the totality of Scripture, the words of God, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the 66 books. It includes the entirety of God's words. And over and over, when we read God's words, we see the importance and the vitality of this word. Now, don't tune me out because you need to hear this. Psalmist, the psalmist says in 119, verse 9, Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Listen to me, teenagers. The scripture says, by living according to your word. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word and they obey it. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Now listen to this. I said blessings. I'm going to say prosperous now. Why? Because the Bible says it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you want to be blessed this morning? Do you want to be prosperous Do you want to experience success in your life? If you do, the Scripture instructs us to get yourself into the words of God and then to be careful to do what it says. Read it. Delight in it. Let it grow you. And so you have to choose this morning whether or not you're going to believe that to be true. But to the extent that you love God's Word, to the extent that you meditate on it, to the extent that you apply it to your life, to the extent that you allow the words of God to point you to truth. To that extent, the Bible promises you will be prosperous. To that extent, you will be successful and you will be blessed. Make no mistake about it, it's a choice this morning. And it requires attention. And it requires an intended destination that you're walking towards. In other words, either I believe that this has the words of life in it, or I believe something else, whatever it may be. So either the word is at the center of your life, or you place yourself at the center of your life. May I ask you this morning, do you allow this word to do what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us it should do? It tells us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you allow the Word to do what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us it should do? Are you allowing it to penetrate your heart? Are you allowing it to expose your thoughts and the intentions of your life? Verse 2 tells us, that it's such a vital part of my being that it becomes a delight. That's the description of the blessed person. This thing is such a vital part of who I am that it's actually not a dread to pick it up and read it. It's actually a delight to soak in it. His words become a delight to me. They are beautiful to me, and I want to be in the Word of God. It implies that I get into the Scriptures because I know it has everything I want. So can we stop the church service for just a moment and be real for just a moment? 
Let's just pause right there wherever you are just for a moment. And, and I, I want to ask you this morning, would you allow me to lovingly prod you for a moment, if you will, to nudge you just for a moment? For many of us who are watching, maybe you haven't opened these scriptures since the last time we gathered. Maybe you haven't delighted in these scriptures until the last time a pastor or a preacher instructed you to open the words of God. You know, it's really hard to say that this word and his words and the word of God is my delight if I'm just keeping it at a distance from me. And so I I don't want guilt to consume you this morning. I don't believe that's from God, but I want to allow the spirit of the living God, the spirit of the living God to move you in a direction of determination. And maybe this morning you need a reboot. Maybe this morning you need to re-engage with the words of God. And maybe you need a little bit of help trying to figure out how to do that. Maybe you're a seasoned Christian, but you've been away from the word and you don't need help, but maybe some of you do. So may I give you two suggestions this morning if you're looking for a reboot. If you need to re-engage and and remember that the words of God are a delight to you. Number one, may I encourage you. I have friends who do this and people that I love who do this frequently. Some of them do it every single day. If you need to re-engage with the word of God this morning, may I encourage you to open up the Bible to the book of Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs comes after the book of Psalms. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. May I encourage you today just to read the chapter that corresponds to today. Today is April the 19th. Open up the Word of God and begin to read Proverbs chapter 19. And then tomorrow, read Proverbs chapter 20. And then Tuesday, read Proverbs chapter 21. Maybe you need a reboot this morning. The second thing I would encourage you to do is this. If you have uh, an iPhone or, 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 or an iPad, maybe you want to open up the Bible app. I've got the Bible app on my phone, and quite honestly, I rarely use it except for Sunday morning because I, I, have, I, I prefer a physical copy. But some of you may need to open up the Bible app and pursue a reading plan within the Bible app. And maybe some of you need to read through the book of Psalms. May I give you a word of encouragement as you're trying to figure out how to delight in the words of God. Our tendency is to say, this is what I'm walking through. I need to figure out, I need a felt need to spur me on to figure out a scripture to read in this season. And I believe that's good, and I believe it has its place in life. But may I say to you this morning, if you are looking for a way to reboot and re-engage with the words of God, do not look for a felt needs Bible study or devotional, pick up the Bible and begin to read it through. Here's why. You're like, Pastor Matt, I don't understand the Bible. I can't comprehend the Bible. The reason is because you need to continually pursue the words of God until it eventually makes sense to you this morning. You need a healthy diet of the words. And so your delight in the words of God or an indication, according to Psalm chapter 1, of how blessed you are. Joshua chapter 1 says how successful you are, how prosperous you are. May I ask you, do you want to be blessed today? Do you want to experience prosperity? Do you want to experience blessings and success? Now, let me define those words for you because some of you are, 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 are diagnosing my theology this morning and you need to hear the scripture's definition of what all three of those words mean. There's a danger in even using those words in our culture because our culture has hijacked those words to mean it's a state of life, blessing, prosperity, uh, blessing, prosperity, success is a state of life. 
life where, where, where we have no worry, we have no difficulty, we have no need. But is that what blessed and prosperous and successful means? Is that what it means this morning? That's not what it means this morning. So if that's not what it means, then what does it mean? Well, verse 3 tells us what blessing and prosperity and success biblically means. Can I say to you this morning, you need biblical definitions in your life, not definitions that someone else defines. So let the Bible define blessing, success, and prosperity. Verse 3, that person, again, the blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its, here it is, fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and here's the word again, and whatever they do, the Bible says, they prosper. This is uh, an agricultural analogy, if you will. The blessings of God here does not automatically mean a life that's free of difficulty. It does not automatically mean a life that's free of worry. It means that the blessed life listen to me, is fruitful. What do you mean by that, Pastor Matt? Well, the only way I know how to, 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 to define fruit to you is by what the Word of God says. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, tells us what fruit means, the fruit we're looking at in Psalm chapter 1. But the fruit of the Spirit, pause there for a moment, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Godhead, the part that we are pursuing, the God, part that we are allowing to ingest into our life, that we are continually trying to figure out how to follow, to allow to guide us and to lead us, but the fruit fruit of that pursuit, Galatians chapter 5 tells us, is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and against all of those things, there is no law. Now, for many of you in this season of life, it may not seem like life is beside a stream. <laughs> and for many of you this morning, it may actually seem like more like a desert. And for some of you this morning, the thought of producing fruit in the season that you're in has really just dwindled and diminished. I'm just trying to survive my season, Pastor Matt. Have you ever seen a tree in a desert landscape that just seems to be, just seems to be flourishing and thriving? There's an image behind me. There's an image on the screen this morning. Have you ever seen this? Maybe you live on the West Coast, and maybe, maybe you've been to Joshua Tree. Maybe you've driven through a desert landscape on the West Coast. You've seen a tree that seems to be thriving, and you wonder, how does a tree thrive in that environment? And maybe you look at it, and you think, I'm not sure how anything could grow in an environment like that. It doesn't seem to be a water source. There's not a tree. There's no way a tree can thrive in a place like that. It seems like such a difficult place. I can't even see a source of water anywhere. How can a tree thrive in such a barren environment? Well, where is the water source, do you think, this morning? You can't see the water source in those environments. You see the tree that's flourishing and thriving, but you, you can't see the water source. Where is it this morning? Well, the reality is the water source is underground. There's an underground and an unseen water source beneath the surface, and it's feeding the roots of the tree. And so even on the surface of dry land, there doesn't seem to be any way that something living could possibly thrive in such an environment. Yet there are trees that thrive in a desert environment. And the secret is the unseen, underground source of life that feeds it and gives it life and allows it to produce fruits. And for many of you this morning, 
That desert landscape is a great illustration of what you are experiencing in life. Everything around you seems to be barren. Everything around you seems to be unfertile and not possible to thrive. Everything around you right now, but yet that tree is what God says you can experience even in difficulty. A tree is what Psalm chapter 1 is pointing to us and saying, see, this is still possible in whatever environment you're in. But Pastor Matt, do you even know what my home life is like? Pastor, have you even walked a mile in my shoes? You even have a sense of reality of the pain that I walk through every single day because of my health. Pastor, do you even have an understanding of how difficult it is to thrive and survive financially in a city like Los Angeles? Pastor, do you even have a clue what it's like to thrive in the desert that I'm in right now? Several years ago, there was a Dutch environmentalist. I'm probably going to botch his name, but his name was Jurian Reese, and he was focusing on sustainability issues and barren landscapes and desert landscapes, trying to figure out how to restore vegetation in these environments. And so he developed this device that allowed seeds and saplings to, to grow an, uh, long enough, to have enough time to grow large enough so that they have a chance to survive. And so I read in an article this week in the New York Times, Reese said the catch is that seeds and saplings won't grow in such soil. He's talking about the desert landscape, the environment right now that you're wondering if you can survive in and you can thrive in. He said, but if a young tree becomes large enough that its roots can reach groundwater, if the tree becomes large enough where its roots can reach the groundwater, he says it stands an excellent chance of thriving. Do you know this morning that's what the wisdom of God and the Word of God does for you? That's what it does for me. We're living in harsh environments. We're living in a hostile environment. It seems like everything in our life around us is mitigating against someone who would believe in God and live for God and on the surface of the craziness of what life is currently for many of you. It doesn't make sense that anyone would survive what we're currently going through, much less thrive in the current season. But let me say to you this morning, there is an unseen source that gives life, that gives gives sustenance to the roots of us, to those of us who the Bible describes as being blessed by God. And so the pursuit of God's wisdom, the pursuit of God's words are giving us life, and we don't just survive this morning. You don't have to just survive. You can thrive in whatever season you're walking through. And then the fruit of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That fruit can be your experience. That's the definition of being blessed. It's not success. It's not prosperous according to the world's definition. The definition of being blessed is that your life is experiencing the fruit of the wisdom and the word of God. Now, can you think about this just for a moment with me as we're about to close? Can you think about this with me for just a moment? Maybe you've tried the pursuit of every other type of wisdom. Maybe you've tried to follow your own advice, your your own emotion, your own experience. You've tried to 
pursue what everything in culture tells us she should pursue to experience prosperity and success and blessing. That's the culture's definition of blessings. But the Bible's definition is fruit this morning. Can you imagine for a moment if you were biblically successful, if you were biblically prosperous, Can you imagine this morning if you were biblically blessed, what would that do for your life? What would that do for your marriage? What would that do for your parenting? What would that do for your season of waiting that you're currently in? And many of you are waiting for things in life, waiting for children, waiting for jobs, waiting for something else. What would that do for your life? What would that do? Listen to me. Those of you who may be single this morning, what would that do for your loneliness? What would that do for your dating relationships? But this is what we get when we pursue the wisdom of God with attention and intention of pursuing his word, it's the result of tapping into this this unseen, underneath, underground source of life. Is that what you desire today? I know it is. You want to thrive. You don't want to just survive. Who wants to just survive? Life's not worth living if you're just surviving. You want to thrive this morning. It can be possible. It can be possible. Now, I want to close in the last two verses here this morning, but I want to ask you one last question this morning. And this question is really foundational to the other two thoughts that I've just shared about pursuing wisdom and pursuing the Word of God. And this is the question. Now, listen to me very closely, very closely this morning. Does God know you? Does God know you? Are you confident this morning that you are known by God? Does he really know you? Listen to the last two verses of Psalm 1. Because again, we have two contrasts. The blessed person, Psalm 1 describes the the contrast of the blessed person is the wicked person. But let's Psalm chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 describe this. Do you know God? Does he know you? Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the wicked, the Bible says in verse 6, leads to destruction. I know this morning, you know that God knows everything. I know you're confident of that. And I know you're confident that if God stood with us this morning, here presently where I am, presently where you are, if God stood with you, I know that you know this morning that he would know you, he would know your name, and he would know a lot about you. And also, I'm confident that you would be aware of him as well. But what verse 6 is talking about is a close, intimate personal relationship with God. I don't mean that you are aware of him. I mean you are bound to him because of what he's done for you. Now listen to me very close this morning, and we're almost done. What has he done for me, Pastor Matt? Well, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created. The first thing he did for you is that he's responsible for you. You're not a happenstance, circumstance. You're not an accident. 
John 3.16 tells us that God loves you. He created you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He created you. He loves you. Romans 3.23, though, tells us there's a problem between God as we currently stand. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God created you. He loves you. But there's a problem between you and God. Romans 6.23 tells us that if there's never a solution to our problem between us and God, for the wages of sin is death. Listen to me very intently this morning. The wages of sin is death. Death, both in this life, we're going to die. Death in the next life, separation from him. There's never a solution to our problem called sin. The result is death. But listen to me. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that when we could not provide a solution, God provided it for us. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, you. God provided the solution for you. What was the solution? He went to the cross. He lived a sinless life. He died a terrible death, and we celebrated it last weekend. He came out of the grave and overcame death, and he overcame sin, and all things are possible because of what Jesus did. And if Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 is true of you, the Bible says if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says not that you can be, ought to be, might be, you will be saved. Now listen to me. This is what the psalmist is talking about, about God knowing you. Do you know God? Do you know him because you've been bound to him, because you trusted your life to him, because he saved you? Just this week, I had a a Facebook message conversation with a guy, a friend from high school. We played sports together. Every sport we play, we played together. He blessed me. He said, for 40 years, I knew about God. This was his message. Really long. I hope he's watching. He said he's watching this morning. He said, I knew about God for 40 years, but two years ago, I trusted my life to God. And now God knows me, and I know him. Jesus says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Does he know you this morning? Do you know him? Can I say to you this morning, in humility, I am sure of my salvation this morning. In January of 1995, in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, I have forgotten so many things over the last one. I've forgotten more than I've remembered over the last 25 years. But can I tell you, I am sure of my salvation. Here's why. In January of 1995, I sat in Holcomb Auditorium, left side, four seats back, four seats over. Mr. Jimmy was sitting right next to me, one of our adult leaders at the church that I went to. Twig Gray was preaching. He preached from the book of James and said, do not put off until tomorrow what you need to do today. I remember it as clear as day. Do you know what happened to me in January of 1995? I got on my knees. My pride was crushed by Jesus' humility. And Jesus' humility on the cross led me to my knees in tears. And I said, Jesus, my sin has separated me from you, and I need you to save me. I've forgotten a lot over the last 25 years. But there's not a day, not an hour, not a moment that I've forgotten what Jesus has done for me in salvation. There's not a day that I've forgotten and will not remember that nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ on the day that I pass. I'm going to be with Jesus. Why? 
because I know him, because he knows me. For some of you this morning, that's the choice that you need to make, to surrender your life to Jesus, to enter into a personal relationship. You've known about God. You've been aware of God. But listen to me this morning. I'm not talking about a general awareness. You've been around church. You've known about God. But have you ever trusted your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, save me from my sin. I turn from my sin, and now I'm walking with you. I'm standing with you. I'm sitting with you in your wisdom and in your words to be more like you because one day I know, Jesus, I'm going to be with you. For some of you this morning, you need to make the choice to surrender your life to Jesus and stop playing this false awareness awareness of God. Secondly, and I'm closing, the band's going to come up. For others of you who do know Jesus, maybe your need this morning is to begin to pursue the wisdom and the words of God. There's a difference between believing in Jesus and, and pursuing Jesus. You need to do that this morning, to be successful and prosperous and blessed, to produce fruit this morning. And it's a choice today. All of these are choices. And I hope you'll make the right choice this morning. Are you known by God? Are you pursuing him? I just want to make one final plea, and I'm going to pray for us this morning. This Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Josh and Megan Ride are leading a session called Fighting for Fruit. If I were honest with you this morning, I, I really wanted to spend the bulk of our time leading up to this moment to say to you, I want to encourage you to lean in on Wednesday night, 7 p.m., you can find the link, storycitychurch.com forward slash coronavirus. The next three weeks, we're talking about fighting for fruit. This is what Psalm 1 is talking about, and they're going to be extraordinarily practical, how you can thrive in this season. But it begins pursuing the wisdom of God, pursuing the words of God. We trust your life to Jesus today. There's nothing magical or mystical about it. Right there where you are, you can do so. And we want to know why, because we want to help you walk with God. If it's your desire to trust your life to Jesus, you can comment in the chat. Send us an email at prayer at storycitychurch.com. Or you can text us. You can text Story City, all one word. It's going to be on the screen. You can text Story City, all one word, to 24587. And Marco, who's on the chat right now, he's on our staff, and he has a responsibility to help people walk into a new relationship with Jesus, and he'll help you do that today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. Jesus, this morning, I pray for those who aren't known by you and you don't know them. God, you know what I mean, and I pray the Spirit of the living God would help them know what I mean, but they would give their life to Jesus, give their life to you, have their sins saved this morning, right now. And then for those who do know you, God, may we begin to pursue the continual wisdom of God and the words of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.